I am in part three on um, what's in your bag. It has been such a great conversation talking about unpacking and and managing what God has given us. So I, I've got this, I don't know that, you know, they're a thing now. I always felt like they're a bit awkward, but it's a thing. And any, any, anyone else got a bag? Uh, not the ladies, guys. Guys, anyone got a man bag? Anyone got a man bag? Five of you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and two of you because your wife is making you put your hand up. Okay. Um, I don't intend to preach or share the entire message with the bag on, so I'm going to take it off now if that's okay. But there's something in there that I want. It's going to speak to our conversation today. If you're still looking for seats, I'm sure we can find you some. I see uh, some people out at the back there. Okay, there we go. Uh, today's conversation um, centers around an item you need to have in your bag, especially if you intend to go far. Without this item, you can't go anywhere. I mean, you could certainly not get far. And in order to reinforce this conversation and share fully the vulnerability as I have been over the last few weeks, expressed my own personal vulnerability in this conversation of just settling on what's in my bag and only doing that and not what everybody else thinks that my bag should contain, I want to talk to you today about traveling with a good quality ID. Now, I say good quality because how many of you here today are not proud of your ID photo? (laughs) How many of you would like to admit that your ID photo is not the best side of you? I will, in the course of this introduction, share with you my ID photo from 10 years ago. Every now and then when people say to me, you should shave, I go back and I look at this photo (laughs) as a reminder that Never again should I shave. I was also 10 kgs heavier and I used to wash my hair off my head in those days. And all of that will be reflected in the photo in a moment. But to take you to a verse in the Bible on this topic, I'd like to take you to Matthew chapter 26 from the NIV. Uh, This is a conversation that takes place very familiar and well known to us between Peter and various people at the crucifixion of Jesus. This is the passage of scripture where Peter denies Jesus, right? So let's read verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him, said, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it. Uh, before them all. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out uh, uh, to, the, uh, uh, to the gateway uh, where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth and he denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man, I promise. Matthew 26 verse 74 says, then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, please don't do this, uh, I always say to people, if you're cursing and swearing, you're one step away from the third denial. Anyway, um, I don't know the man. Immediately the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus had spoken. Before uh, the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This passage of scripture is serious and hectic, but there's something very important I'd like to draw out that we often, I certainly often overlook. In one sense, Peter denies Jesus, who he is and whether he's been hanging around Jesus. But in another sense, Peter is denying who he is. Peter, weren't you, I don't know who, I don't know, not me. 
And you know, there is a powerful warning in this passage of Scripture that there is a way of denying who God made us to be that causes our enemy to take advantage of us and makes us lose a sense of our identity and our purpose. And some people aren't denying Jesus, but you're denying you. And there is a partnership between you and Jesus concerning your identity. Remember, Peter's identity was in fact almost a name change in the Bible. Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 13, also from the NIV, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the Greek place, he asked his, where you should go, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he said, who do you say I am? Simon Peter, see his first name then, Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, identity. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys to, uh, of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in uh, heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Not, not yet. Do you know, you don't have keys to open your future while you're uncertain about your identity. Simon had to become Peter before Peter could qualify to get keys to anything. A person double-minded about their identity doesn't open any doors. And there is something about that conversation in the Bible. A quick study of the Bible will reveal to you how many people had their names changed. Abram became Abraham because Abram was, was not the name of a father of many nations. Abraham was the name of a father of many nations. All throughout Scripture, Saul became Paul on the road to Damascus and Simon became Peter. And maybe you need to reaffirm your identity. On the basis of this little introduction, I want you to know that I was twice uh, denied access to a plane because of the ID photo. I am going to show you. I remember standing at one airline counter and pulling out the passport and the lady looked at it and looked at me and looked at it and said, I don't think so. Then I said, I've got a driver's license with me, but I, it's expired at the time. Will you accept that? She said, but it's expired. I said, but I'm not expired. The face, surely we are not discussing driving now. We are discussing identity now. I'm not here to drive the plane. I just want you to see it's me. She said, Pastor George, fine. She knew all along. Very rude. But my conversation to you today is travel with a sense, some form of identification. We need to settle the matter of our identity in Christ as shaped by our salvation and the person of Christ because you can't just say, I know who Jesus is without also saying, because I know who Jesus is, I know who I am. The transaction is incomplete if all you know is who he is and, and not by consequence who you are because your identity matures. How many of you are glad you don't look like your ID photo? I mean, not completely. How many of you are glad you've moved along 
in some way. It matures. Here's what I mean. When you first come to Christ, the relationship is of that of a broken beggar to a gracious forgiver. And then as you mature in your faith, you start to use terminology like he is the firstborn, my brother. As you walk further, you become co-laborer. What he does, I want to do. And your identity is hitched to your knowledge of who Jesus is. There are too many people in the world who think they know who Jesus is and have not allowed any consequence on who they are. Do you know the Bible says even the devil knows who Jesus is and trembles in fear. There is a connection concerning identity. Now, here's what I've discovered about identity. Everybody is after your identity out there. So you better let Jesus be in charge of it. Do you know, marketing is after your identity. You should be more like this. And then they put a photo up of a certain kind of person and say, admire them, be like that. If you want to buy a car like this, then you're probably a cool person like that. So you say to yourself, I want to be a cool person. I need to buy, you know, that car. Everybody is trying to shape your identity. And it would be disappointing if uh, Jesus doesn't get the final and firm say on my identity. I am I have an identity by birth, and I'm not going to go down the complicated rabbit hole of what's going on on YouTube at the moment. I'm not going to do that. I do have an identity by birth. I am visibly Greek and visibly male and visibly too short. But that's just entry-level identity. You can't allow that to be, that's just the start, that's just the starting point. And then what are you? I mean, who are you even? Isn't that a casual joke we make? Who are you even? It's such a vital part of what you carry. Oh, Cherise, did you say that to me yesterday? You did, hey, you did. Cherise sent me a photo. I don't know how I've become this guy. Cherise sent me a photo of a fruit tree with fruit on it, and she said, settle an argument with my family. We don't know what this is. I replied, it's easy. These are mangoes. And she said, no way. It can't be. They must be kiwi or something. I'm like, what continent are you on? And then she said, who are you even? I don't know why I know these things. And you've all become such wonderful people. And I now have three different types of plants that people have brought to me, uh, two to rescue and one to plant. And the one that has been given to rescue is, you know, past the resurrection. I, I, I love you very much, but I have to just go buy you another one and give it to you. But I'm going to get you a guaranteed survivor from J.A. Floral. Um, plastic. Um, in case you wonder where J.A. Floral is, you can only get plastic plants there. Um, so I, I, I keep my ID here, uh, a bag within a bag, a wallet. Um, can I just, can I make a point about the wallet and then carry on with the message? This should be in your bag. And I'd like to double back and talk about this sometime from a biblical point of view. And I can feel your sensitivity already, like already you're putting up walls. But don't put up walls. Um, because I want Jesus here in my nine to five as much as I want him on my Sunday. Can you say amen to that? Because he's got tricks, plans and purposes that'll take something and make it extraordinary. But let's talk about your identity. This picture is the picture that served me adequately in my passport for the last 10 years. 
production will put it up on the screen and it'll in fact go online. Does that take it in? How many of you would like to recognize, you don't believe it, eh? You tell me that Jesus doesn't change your life. You tell me. You look in that photo. You look at that photo and you tell me that you don't believe Jesus can change a person's life. Who is that even? I rebuke that per- I'm facing the wrong way. I rebuke that person in the name of Jesus. You're not allowed to wear glasses when you take a photo, so I had to take that off. I was washing my hair out my head. I was 10 kgs heavier then. Okay, you can stop now. (laughs) On your way out, we would like to just see all your IDs (laughs) to make this fair and square. Hosea is an Old Testament passage of Scripture. It says this, chapter 12. Are you going to repeat the life of your ancestor Jacob? He ran off guilty to Aram then sold his soul to try get ahead and made it big through treachery and deceit. But your real identity is formed through God-sent prophets who led you out of Egypt and served as faithful pastors. He said, you know, watch out that your life isn't defined by treachery, by trickery, by deceit, and by trying to make it big in the wrong way. He said, instead, our lives should be defined by the work of God in our lives. One of the reasons why we worship in church, whether online, on radio, in person, and gathering somewhere, is because it helps me define my identity. My action dictates my definition. I seldom eat a vegetarian meal at a restaurant. For two reasons, if I'm honest. The one is, I'm never sure I'm getting value for money. I'm just being honest. Because I sometimes feel, I know what these ingredients cost raw. And I could in fact eat these most of these ingredients raw. Why are they so expensive? You know, please don't write, please don't come and see me about, you know, the grossness of killing animals and all that. Please, please, not today. Don't be that guy, another identity thing. But the second reason why I don't is I'm scared that if I eat a vegetarian meal, I will start to say to myself, I liked it. And now I'm vegan. I have to remind myself that one vegetarian meal does not a vegan make. One church service a year does not a Christian That's not your identity, that's dress up. You know, every now and then you do dress up, like I'm going to go like I'm in the 60s. That's dress up. That's not your identity, that's just the thing you do twice a year. I'm going to go as Greece or I'm going to go to Greece. I'm going to go as something, identity. But an identity is forged and shaped by the continuous works of God. And so today, in the time that I have available with you, I want to talk to you about how to allow God into your life enough to transform identity. Not to change the basics of your birth, but to allow your rebirth to have its full effect. I was born a certain way by identity, but I am born again also by identity. 
so that old things are passed away and behold, all things are made new. And there is a danger in you getting lost in your identity. Uh, be very careful. You know, people say to me, ask lots of questions about lots of things. If I'm a Christian, can I date someone who's not a Christian? You know, well, it, you know, will it, will I lose my salvation? No. But there's a very good chance you will lose your identity. And then you will find yourself waking up one day and saying to yourself, but who am I? That's the risk. And of course, if you're here today and your partner's a Christian and they drag you here and don't be uncomfortable, we can sort that out at the end of the service. It's like five minutes, five minutes. But you have to be careful of one's identity. After a while, people swap out church life for golfing. Well, that's your identity. And you know it is because of the T-shirts you wear or the golf shirts you wear. It's your new identity. We have to be so wise about what that looks like. How is identity forged? The Bible gives us some good ideas concerning that. Firstly, it is important to hear the voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. How does Saul become Paul? A voice came to him on the road to Damascus. What are you doing? (laughs) Lord, who are you? have to hear something from heaven that shapes our lives. If you haven't heard anything from heaven, something of your identity is absent. Now, now you don't have to, I I personally uh, never heard an audible voice from heaven, never. I used to feel bad about that, but I realized often that the pastors who say that are a little bit edgy. Say that they have, you know, Jesus visited them yesterday and the day before, and then they embroiled in some sort of a thing and Jesus has to come bail them out. So, I'm okay with never hearing, but my heart has beat in my chest when I read a verse. I've listened to a sermon and sat up and said, that is a voice from heaven. I sure have. I've sung a song and gone, that is sinking in sync with the rhythm of heaven. Absolutely. I need to hear, you need to hear, uh, this is my uh, son, my daughter, with whom I am well pleased. Even at death, we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Definition, identity, character, defined by the voice of God. You have to hear it. Some of you are fortunate enough to have had fathers speak it of your life, or mothers or friends. But no matter what your absence or deficiency is, Jesus is enough to fill it. Jesus will come and he will say, you are chosen. That is a definition. And then you're defined by the voice in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart. Notice how big words are. God's words give you identity. Your words give you identity. Do you know if you wake up every day and say, I'm an idiot, you'll start to wear that identity. If you allow other people in your life who say that to you or you say it to others, the verbalization will shape your identity. And you'll need to work very hard to replace it with words from heaven to overcome the words that come from your broken heart. So you have to allow that. And then the words that come from the works of your hands. Have we do not often say that actions speak louder than? Sure, actions define us. You know, I can say I'm into gymming. But to be honest, my actions are not enough. <laughs> if I'm honest. I've got a contract, I've got a very good kind of nice contract, national, national contract. 
got it in the 80s. I paid 50 rand for it. I'm one of those people that I bought it under health and racket. I don't know if you know what that is. The health and racket. <laughs> it was just before electricity. Well, you know, I, I, last week I, I was, YouTube uh, uh, put a hold on our broadcast because of my commentary on, on uh, electricity. I might have broken the community guidelines and they, they released it again. It felt nice to do something um, I got into trouble for um, uh, again. Um, but my actions, I got the clothes, very good clothes, nice clothes. I bought them at all the right places, in all the right and now colors. Um, I just haven't been in a while. I do say often, oh, I must come back. I do say that often when I see gym people. They're in that row, the gym people. I do say often, oh, I must come back. You know, like some people say to me when they bump into me in the shops. Oh, I must come back. Not to gym. You know what I mean. The works of my hand shapes my identity. What I do helps me know who I'm becoming. So watch those. First Corinthians chapter 5 from the message says this, yeast too is a small thing, but it works its way through the whole batch of bread or dough pretty fast. So get rid of that yeast. Our true identity is flat and plain, not puffed up with wrong kinds of ingredients. So let's live out our part in the feast, not as raised bread swollen with yeasts of evil, but as flat bread, simple, genuine, unpretentious. What a great passage of scripture. It just says my identity shouldn't have unnecessary ingredients. And the ingredients that it does have must just be simple, honest, humble, unpretentious. That's who we are. Can you say amen to that? And so I thought what I would do is add three actions that you, you and I could take that will help us with our biblical identity. Now you might think, why is this so important? If I'm saved and going to heaven, surely the rest is just fine print. But let me tell you why it's important. We live in a world in which our identity is not only under challenge, but we're not happy with our own identity. People are medicating themselves. I've been there for everything. Do you know if you look in the mirror long enough, you'll find something wrong with you. I remember going to an optometrist in PE. I get my glasses from this guy in PE, very good optometrist. And I said to him, I got a problem with my glasses because they always seem to angle slightly down on one side. He said, oh, yes, no. He said, no face is symmetrically perfect. So, so you'll find your one ear might be slightly higher than the other. So we just bend the glasses. Well, he shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> and now st I stand in front of the mirror, determining the grid. Which ear? How far? Stop laughing at me, sir. <laughs> I don't want to use his name in public. He'll give me hotter spices next time he gives me spices. When I buy shoes... I always wear both pairs. Always. I lean heavily on the right and the right foot must fit properly. I know the left will be fine. If I get a pair of shoes and I only try the left, the right might not be wider. I don't want you to make jokes. I just want you to know I'm okay about this. Because you've got a couple of lopsided things going on in your own life. 
But what does the word of God say? Come stand in front of the mirror of my word in Corinthians. See you as I see you. Stop standing in the mirror of the world and see you as they see you. See you as I see you. Identity redefined. You can easily get very anxious about that. You can start comparing yourself, uh, uh, you know, to use an overused political term in South Africa, too short for who? For what? If it is in God's call and he puts you in front of God's plan, you can own your identity and be at peace with him. That's why this is important. You also can't make covenants. You can't go into marriage taking an identity into it that you're not happy with. How can you ask somebody else to give their lives to building with you if you wouldn't be willing to do it with yourself, a life with yourself anyway? And then we choose career paths, friendships, and spend our money all in hopes of fixing our identity. And the answer lies with Jesus Christ. So how do you do that? How do you get your identity? How do you travel well with who you are? A couple of things the Bible tells us to do. The one is repent. Oh, it's such a heavy word. You're only allowed to use it twice a year these days. The saints don't really always love it. You know, It's looking for the message translation on that one. But repent is literally, it literally means to stop something to change your mind about something. I want to encourage you, stop defining yourself by the spirit of this world and the standards of this world and even the words of your own broken heart. Stop and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm clearing the deck. Secondly, and I'm going to finish more than on time today. I'm so excited. Secondly, repetition creates Identity. Do you know uh, when Peter denied Jesus three times, you know how it was fixed, right? When Jesus is resurrected on that great fish bra? Yeah. That's why Easter, I mean, you guys do know that. eh? That's why in Easter certain communities have pickled fish. Comes from the fish bra. When Peter was back on the boat, Jesus was on the shore. He realizes who it is. He jumps in the water. He comes across. Jesus is making a bra. He's, 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 he's barbecuing for our international online people. Some of the fish that he's reminding Peter, that's what we're here to do is to be fishers of men. And he's reminding them. And he says to him, repetition. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Uh, For every denial, Peter, you need to put a repetition of affirmation until you get it right. You know, sometimes people say, why do we keep singing that song? I'll tell you what, there's somebody here who needs to hear, I am a child of God. 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 Well, something, somewhere or someone all week said, you're rubbish, you're nothing, you're not, you're not, you're not. And we need to come together and we need to be the voice from heaven for the person who needs to hear, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Repetition creates identity. You have to do it. That should also caution us. What are you repeating that you don't want in your character? Because it's going to come. It's going to come. 
And then refinement, refinement. Um, do you know, uh, refinement is one of those uh, awkward things in that it is based on the premise that you must say no to some things. That's refinement. I mean, it's a cute word. It seems so, so cute. Like if I refine something, I take out the chaff, that's the biblical term, and I only have the wheat. If it's useless, it's gone. It's cute. But what it's meant to say is you've got to learn to say no. Identity is about knowing what I agree with and then what I don't agree with. It is saying yes to some things and by default saying no to other things. You can't have healthy identity by saying yes to everything and you can't have healthy identity by saying no to everything. You're going to have to pick your field. Does that make sense? And just and refine what's in and what's out. I think... I think we all want to go far in life, spiritually, financially, emotionally. We want to go far. We want to go beyond the borders of our, of our usual or our familiar, where you're going to need an idea of some kind. And my, I'm provoking you. My hope is to provoke you today not to allow your identity to be stolen. Do you know there's this big scam out there, ID theft? And people, I can't believe how ridiculous people are that they do it. And that secondly, that people are insecure enough to believe it. I get them all the time. The millions I have won over the years for things that I did not apply for. Millions, emails after emails, barista so-and-so. One of the worst, though, is when people say, we just need to authenticate your account. My account has been stolen. I just need two friends to send me their pin. Like, I replied to people, does this still work? And somebody still said, yes. <laughs> I said, you need Jesus. They said, I know. And then they blocked me and I, I couldn't lead them to Jesus. Identity theft is in life a legit thing. Identity theft spiritually is also a legit thing for the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But he has come that you might have life and life in all its forms. What do you think he's stealing? Nothing you own physically is of interest to the devil. So whatever it is he's stealing, it's spiritual and emotional. He's, got, he's not interested in our cars or our houses. He's not interested in that. There's a lack of fire prepared for him. But he is interested in in. Um, value or assets that are intangible. And I want to encourage you that you have worth in your identity um, when it is attached to knowing who Jesus is and then believing what Jesus says you are. Then you have, then you have worth in that. Can I read you a final verse, but it's got like a little right hook in it. Would you be okay with that? Okay, good, I'm going to any, anyway. Um, but I just want, like, it's a good way of giving you a heads up. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. You're kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. Why I want to end on this verse is that the, de the biblical definition of immaturity is not 
if you behave childishly. The biblical definition of immaturity is if you haven't grown fully into your new identity, then you're immature. That would be a grow-up moment, right? And I, I guess um, I really want to encourage you to never have a fake ID in your bag. Stop having more than one ID. You're going to pull out the wrong one one day. And don't let somebody steal your ID. Because if where you want to go is genuinely as far as God says, then let him define who you are. I am a child of God. And so no longer a slave to any other identity. Can you say amen to that? Would you please stand with me as we pray? Our usual custom, just by way of reminder, some people are heading out to prepare coffee and um, serve you in the parking lot and connections. But for the rest of us, I want to remind you I'm going to put a prayer up at the end of the service, online or in person. If you need to shift your relationship with God from an inquirer or observer to a follower and believer, I'd like you to pray that prayer, take your time, pray the prayer, and then come let us know or type in the comment section that you've prayed the prayer. And if you'd like us to give you a free Bible or access to a short Alpha course that'll teach you the basics of the faith, we can do that. But we're going to put it up every week. And from time to time, we'll actually, as a whole church, pray it out loud together. I also want to remind you that there are trained people up front to pray in person. So you should never say the church is too big. It could be made personal within 10 minutes, 10 meters. Just walk forward. And there's also communion on either side of the stage. We have a communion service before church once a month, but we have it available every Sunday. And there you will also find a prayer card and a praise thanksgiving card where you can let us know how God has been faithful or what prayer you would like us to pray for you. All of it is available every week. And let's make the most of our spiritual opportunities. But today I want to pray concerning your identity. So would you close your eyes for a moment and just invite the Holy Spirit to to talk to you. Lord, thank you for the words of heaven that according to Scripture never return to you empty, but always accomplish what you sent it to do. That it is like the rain that nourishes the earth and makes it grow. So is your word that proceeds out of your mouth. Today, Lord, we're holding on to this importance of our identity. Never to have our identity stolen, not to fake it in our identity and to always remember that our identity is hitched on knowing who you are. And when we know who you are, we can unpack who we are. Teach us to become biblically authentic, born again, genuine. And help us to evolve and mature in our spiritual journey so we can look at an old idea of ourselves and go, that's not me anymore. This is me. I'm a new creation. All things are past. New things have come. Holy Spirit, will you please speak to us this morning the, the words we need to hear by repetition until we are restored and redeemed. 
Speak it into our hearts, we pray. While we're in this space, I have a minute, a minute or two actually. I want to just ask close in this sensitive moment. I want to intentionally ask people to cross the line. And what I mean by that is going from a crowd who is inquiring, investigating, even enjoying the Christian conversation, going from that to follower and, and believer. And I'd like to invite you to respond to that. If you're here today and it's your day, your heart's beating in your chest, like I described earlier, you know God's talking. It doesn't have to be audible words, but something's happening in your heart and you know, no more playing around. This is serious. This is, this is life and eternity. And I, I need to settle it. I'd like to pray for you that prayer that we can, we've got upon the screen, but I'd like you to respond. If that's where you're at, would you just stick your hand up? long enough for me to sit. And so I'm praying that prayer actually and I'm responding and I'm crossing the line today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. In every section from front to back, some response. We're going to pray this prayer. I will read it out loud, but I'll invite you to breathe it out under your breath where you're standing. And if you pray it and would like someone to tell, come to the front, tell us, and we'll stand in agreement and give you a Give you a Bible if you don't have one. It says this, just under your breath, repeat it. Dear Jesus, you said in the Bible that whoever hears your words believes God sent you to set me free from my debt of sin, has eternal life, and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. I confess that I believe you. I receive salvation from my sins, a new life in my soul. I now cross over from death to life. Amen. Would you give God a shout of praise and thanksgiving for every one of those decisions?